0: This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been prerecorded.
1: Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered.
2: Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie.
3: Good afternoon and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. According to a survey from 2017, about 40% of people aged 18 through 69 in the U.S. have at least one tattoo, and of those people, one in four have several. Though most of the time the process leads to a successful outcome, you need to consider the risks of infection, allergic reactions, or even scars. Today, we'll discuss the precautions you should take before you commit to having body art applied. Joining us today is Dr. Bruce Broad a clinical professor of dermatology and an associate dean at the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania, and the director of contact dermatitis clinic at Penn Medicine. Welcome, Bruce. So glad to have you on the show.
4: Oh, my pleasure. Great to be here. Uh, Hopefully um, we can... Provide some very important information for the folks out there, um, so that uh, those who who choose to get tattoos are really fully aware of the risks and 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 do it in a manner that's just as safe as possible.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, we had a wonderful conversation the other day when we decided how what topics to cover, and you said even with the best practices there are still risks because you just can't control everything. We're going to talk about the ways that infection kind of seep into the process. So some of the skin side effects, allergic reactions to some of the dyes or uh, a person can develop a granuloma or plural granulomata which is a i guess sort of type of a scar let's talk about those first and then maybe talk about infection
4: yeah absolutely for sure and and tattoos you you are you're right they're more popular than ever i mean 30% of americans have tattoos you know 40% between 18 and 34 so it's really common i think there's like 25,000 tattoo parlors in the us and it, it's big money, but there you know there are some risks. I mean it's it's not the practice of medicine, but it's it's sort of in a funny zone because it, it, it is invasive. I mean it, it it involves you know breaching the skin, breaking the skin barrier, there's contact with blood. So it's sort of this funny blurry area that's not, you know, a medical procedure performed by, you know, a licensed physician or other healthcare provider, but it does, it's it's sort of medical in a way. And and so like you know any medical procedure, there's there's risks, you know, and, and those risks can be mitigated. So my area of expertise, specialty, is allergic contact dermatitis. So over the years, um, patients will come to me, they'll be referred to me who have allergic reactions to to tattoos. Um, who would have thought? And um, the problem, though, is like for instance, if somebody's allergic to poison ivy, you know, that's that's a pain in the neck. But you know, they don't touch it; the reaction goes away. I mean, the poison ivy is off the skin. But a tattoo, the ink is in the skin. I mean, and it's there. That's the intention, right? Is to permanently put the ink in the skin. So out of luck if somebody develops an allergic reaction to one of the tattoo inks, because they're kind of stuck with it. And so one type of reaction is something we call a granulomatous reaction. And a granulomatous reaction um, occurs, they tend to occur when there's a foreign body introduced into the skin. So let's say somebody gets a splinter, in their skin, um, that can cause a granulomatous reaction or a piece of sand or something under the skin. It's sort of the way our body organizes the immune system to try to surround something that the body's immune system doesn't think belongs there. And while most patients who get tattoos um, have the tattoo ink. There's various types of ink placed under the skin. Most people don't get that type of reaction. Some, you know, everybody's different, and some immune systems will think, hey, this doesn't belong here, and so it organizes this reaction, and it's very color-specific. So somebody could have a multicolor tattoo, but if they're one of these folks who are going to react in this very specific way and form a granuloma, it'll happen in that specific color. Somebody could have a red, a yellow, a green, a blue, a black tattoo, and typically the patient will be referred and you'll see the reaction, see it just in one single color. And it's, you know, they're, they're kind of tough because it, it, they're unsightly, they can itch they're raised in nature so that's you know not what somebody wants their tattoo to look no. like um, and there's other allergic reactions too people can get sort of almost like uh, like an eczema dry skin reaction to certain tattoo inks some people can get sure. something that sounds awful it's it's a benign condition called uh, a pseudolymphoma it's like a a different sort of organized type of reaction to certain tattoo inks but Treatment's really difficult because the ink is there, and you know we do our best to calm down the reaction. We use, we can inject cortisones in there. We can use topical cortisones and and other agents, um, but oftentimes it's it's we persist, and it's a matter of you know trying to get the ink out. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole other conundrum.
3: Well, I mentioned earlier when uh, I introduced you to our listeners that you're. Uh, a dean at Penn Medical School, uh, Perlman Medical School, and you're a dean of CMA, Continuing Medical Education. And we get, you know, I'm sharing this with the listeners, we get um, great emails from different companies that, that have little education uh, stories. And about, I don't know, over the summer, I got an email saying, guess what's wrong with this person? Guess the skin lesion. And it was a tattoo. And only the red lines in the tattoo were raised. And I guessed allergic reaction and it left such a visual. I said, I have to talk about tattoos on the show. People have to know, because as you mentioned, it's not regulated. It's not like medicine. Even the FDA um, really doesn't regulate the the inks. And there are so many different um, particles in the ink that can cause allergic reactions. So are, is one dye more likely to cause uh, an allergic response or a granuloma than others, or is it depends on the person and their immune system? I guess.
4: No, it's a it's a really complex question because most of the tattoo inks are really a combination of several different mm-hmm. types of dye, and so, so sort of in my normal practice, uh, you know, directing the contact dermatitis clinic at Clinica Penn. Patients are referred to me who might be having reactions to shampoos, the, the dye they use in their hair. And usually with uh, a non-invasive test called patch testing, I can mm-hmm. apply all these substances to their skin and then see what they react to and aha, uh-huh, come up with the answer and tell them, hey, you know, you're allergic to something in your hair dye, you know, use dyes that don't have it and, you know, patients are good to go. And it's really the reason why a lot of these patients are referred to me because the referring doctor thinks, well, you're an allergy type of dermatologist. You can just do your patch testing to the dye and figure out, you know, what's in the dye. But there's something, you know, it's there's something distinctly different about tattoo reactions and the way the body reacts. And we have found that the testing we do to determine allergy from like shampoo and fragrance and products it doesn't work for tattoo inks. We, are, we really can't elicit that reaction when we put the ink on the skin. And we think the reason is, is something happens when the ink is placed under the skin and it either changes the dye in some people to make it mm. reactive um, or somehow bypasses that part of the immune system. So it's really hard to pinpoint It's a puzzlement. what dye it is. It's the red yeah. dyes are, are higher risk than some other dyes. Mm -hmm. but any, any of them could potentially do it.
3: Yeah. Well, I think too, Bruce, when we talk about say food allergies or even medication allergies that we know as practitioners that a person can react the first time they take it or five years into it. So even with tattoos, an allergic reaction can occur even years later. Let's talk about infection because, um, I guess in the grand scheme, what would you say? Maybe five or 6% it's, it's relatively low, but, um, I was reading that there's been a 77% increased rate of infection since 2000. Is that, uh, you know, uh, relatively speaking, because many more people are having tattoos? Or, or do you think it's because there's so many more tattoo parlors and they're not regulated? I, I guess, and I'm yeah, sorry. I You
4: know, I, it's, you know the, I, think it's, it's, I think the difficult aspect of that is that a lot of these folks aren't connected to the medical system. Right. So we really don't know... What the real rate of reactivity is, um, and you know, we've seen this explosion in the popularity of tattoos, although they go back to kind of the Middle Ages, um, but. Um, Yeah. And I mean, they occur and there's really a broad spectrum of the type of infections that occur from things that are, you know, nobody wants an infection when they get a tattoo. They're trying to get a tattoo. Well, there's many, many reasons that that would motivate somebody to get a tattoo, Mm -hmm. Uh, but nobody wants an infection. There's a broad range from things that are really serious and, and things that are, not as serious, but still a big pain in the neck, and and I can you know I can talk about yeah. that spectrum. Yeah,
3: well, I think you make a, a very good point as well. When somebody does get infection, they're more likely, I'm guessing, to go back to the tattoo artist than go to a doctor because they think there must be some remedy that go, goes with the person who provides the service. So, with that, there's no local or national database or registry for us to get. Um, you know, uh, good information to study. So we're saying that infections also, like allergic reactions, can be acute and happen within, I guess, several days or develop over time. What would a person look for? Bumps, rash, redness?
4: Different. We can break it down into a couple categories. Bacteria, um, viruses, and then there's this other kind of um, unique bacterial category. So like... A common infection somebody might get from a tattoo, and this would occur early on, and this can happen because the skin wasn't prepped enough, or the inks, and we can talk a little bit about that, the inks were contaminated either in the factory or in the shop. Um, or the equipment used, you know, was contaminated. But the the real most common type of infection is like staph, right? Most most people have heard of staph or strep infections, and that will show up as redness, pain in the skin, the area may feel warm, the person could get sick, they may feel a little feverish if the infection gets deeper into the skin. Mm -hmm. That's that's called a cellulitis. So, so that's common. The skin might be a little crusty and that on the surface that happens generally early on, you know, it might happen with, you know, evolve over a week, but patients can get viral infections as well. Um, warts, things like warts. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I've seen, patients with warts and they're exactly right in line with the design of the tattoo ink. why does it happen maybe the person had the virus dormant on their mm. skin that tattoo knocked it into the skin or the tattoo artist mm. might have had it contaminated on on their skin or surface molluscum or kind of a a nuisancey kind of bumpy virus that that children get Mm -hmm. sometimes but tattoos you know breaking the skin that Mm -hmm. breaking the skin can induce that as well
3: yeah and as you said the other day when you aggress the skin and you're puncturing the skin staph and strep live on our skin so if you drag it in no surprise that's well we're going to talk about some of the other infections as we go on let's take a little break and when we come back more about risks of tattoos
1: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. With the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com.
3: And welcome back to your radio doctor. We're here with Dr. Bruce Broad from Penn Dermatology. Bruce, we've talked about the um, possible side effects when we are aggressive with entering the skin with a needle multiple times to inject ink and in it. We don't understand the mystery of how it works and, and how it might react in different people. And we're talking about infection, but I also found it interesting that you said that the whole process can is a form of trauma to the skin. And if you have psoriasis, it can make that worse. Um, Vitiligo, you would think almost the opposite. Vitiligo, you lose pigmentation. Um, And obviously, too, if you have sun-damaged skin, the trauma might enhance uh, skin cancer manifestation, yes?
4: Yes. No, so there's, you know, so as a dermatologist, Um, I spend my day treating and trying to help patients with skin diseases that are chronic, things like psoriasis, which results in kind of red scaly patches on the skin, or um, very disturbing loss of pigment of the skin called vitiligo, and there's a number of other conditions as well with kind of funny names, things like lichen planus and sarcoid. But funny thing, a lot of these immune common skin conditions like psoriasis, like vitiligo, or less common things like sarcoid and lichen planus, they can be aggravated if the skin is injured, if it's traumatized, if it's scratched, scraped, or burned. And so we talked a little bit earlier about how tattooing is you know it's a trauma to the skin you've got mm-hmm. you know kind of needles poking into the skin and vibrating around and so 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 that's a form of trauma and some patients um very unfortunately after tattooing if they're prone to those diseases it doesn't the tattoo doesn't cause psoriasis it doesn't cause vitiligo but if the person has that or has that underlying condition they can develop that condition where they've been tattooed um, yeah. in a real traumatic type of tattoo. And and some people are prone to getting real thick scars or keloids. Um, that can be an issue, too. They could develop that as well. Um, and and there have been some reports in the literature. Some patients who have had a lot of sun exposure who are prone to skin cancer um, will actually develop um, they're called keratoacanthomas. It's kind of mm-hmm. a, 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 a very treatable, it's typically not life-threatening, but very, you know, unsightly, bumpy, scaly, crusty skin cancer that results from the trauma of the tattoos. Mm-hmm.
3: So if somebody decides they want to consider a tattoo, it might be worth their while. I mean, there are obvious causes of infection. You want to make sure you go and visit the tattoo parlor and watch the artist wash his or her hands before and after they put their gloves on, right? Or not after they put their gloves on, after they take their gloves off. Um, you want to make sure that the needle is, they're using is sterile and it comes out of a packet, or you can ask them, how do you sterilize them? Do you have, a, have an autoclave? Things that make what common sense, but you go in trusting thinking because they're not regulated by the food drug or local. And, and you mentioned that Pennsylvania, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, Pennsylvania has kind of the least oversight of, of many states. But um, the other thought was when I, am a GI doctor, of course, so I always worry about hepatitis and uh, conditions. And back when, when I first started in practice, if I saw somebody with a tattoo, even if they were coming with acid reflux or belly issues, if I saw a tattoo, I would test for hepatitis B and hepatitis C um, and depending HIV, because back Years ago, from what I understand, uh, an artist might put the needle into the ink, use it, and double dip or triple dip. And it's so expensive that use the same bottle on customers three, five, seven, and 10. But I do know our liver specialists, our um, hepatologists go to tattoo conventions and watch now. And there is much more thoughtful procedure in that. A lot of the artists, I think most of them are trying to now pour a little ink into a disposable cup and then toss what they don't use. So people are thinking now, plus now we routinely vaccinate our babies for hepatitis B. So hopefully that will help. But people still have to understand that that's a risk. Yes, hep B, hep C, HIV.
4: No question about it. Yeah, I mean, these are, yeah, so you you definitely, you know, want to go to a a, a tattoo parlor, a studio that does things sterile. And I think it's very, you know, reasonable to, to ask some questions, look at the procedures, go to places that at least are registered um, by their local jurisdictions, um, because that means at least there was some level of training that had to take place. Typically, most so, so there's no federal law regulating tattoos and, and really the only state laws you can't tattoo under the age of 18, but local jurisdictions like Philadelphia has some, you know, there's a certification required. So people have to at least show evidence that they've Taken some training in how to prevent the spread of bloodborne pathogens and use sterile procedure, similar yeah. to what we would do in, in, in medicine as well. If you
3: were getting stitches or something, yeah.
4: Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, let. Uh, Prior prior to vaccinations and prior to sort of raising the standards to some degree, but it's still a, it's still a little mm-hmm. bit of a wild west. Yeah, things like Hep B, Hep C, even HIV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that there were some. Uh, Outbreak of HIV transmissibility in prisons um, you know, way back when, long time ago um, you know, even things like syphilis were be being spread by yeah. uh, uh, unsterile tattoo needles as well.
3: I saw that up to the year, before the year 2000, Treponema pallidum <laughs> I remember memorizing that in medical school, which is associated with syphilis that was the most common bacterium. Now it's a non-TB mycobacterium. So there's a family of, you know, a genus of bacteria called mycobacterium. And there's one that usually if, if a person, I guess, inhales it or it's on food or something, the stomach acid kills that bug. But if it's injected into your skin, there's no stomach acid to kill it, but you can still see TB and there are other infections. I was reading this summer too, um, uh, about an outbreak of Vibrio, which is a bacterium that you know more than I, um, and Vibrio cholera, we see as GI docs, terrible diarrhea, but Vibrio vulnificus. Yes. It's a flesh eating bacterium. And the story, uh, I think 2017, there was a, a man you say, all right, if you're going to get a tattoo, give it two weeks to heal. Don't pick your scabs, make sure your clothing doesn't stick, avoid the sun. So this fellow went swimming in brackish water, if I have the story correct, yeah, and that's where the bug jumped in because yes. brackish water or salt water has, you know, I guess, animal, doodoo's in it. But um, always wait at least two weeks before you swim because this man died, right?
4: Yes, yeah, no, I and I and there was a flurry of. Vibrio, I think, in East Coast water this summer as well, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, especially you know, so so many people in the population now are in, have compromised immune systems too, right? Yes, I mean, due to thankfully due to like great medical technology. Mm-hmm. You know, people are living longer that have organ transplants or maybe somebody, you know, being treated for cancer, their immune system's compromised. So they're even more likely if they get a tattoo, which kind of opens up the skin to infection and they jump in to water that's contaminated with this horrible bacteria, they're, they're going to even be at higher risk. And what you, what you mentioned earlier about the, the, Mycobacterium TB there there was a flurry of cases so this is a nasty bacteria that like almost resembles tuberculosis and there were outbreaks of infections in tattoo parlors globally with these weird sounding names like Mycobacterium coloni and fortuitum they're really hard to treat they cause like like really horrific like red bumpy things on the skin but they were being they were occurring because tattoo artists dilute their inks, right? They want, like, different shades, and some some of the artists were diluting the inks to change the shade with tap water. That sounds safe enough, right? We drink tap water, we don't get sick. And that's great and good, but actually in tap water can live these nasty bacteria. Now, you know, listeners shouldn't be afraid, like they're drinking contaminated water, the stomach kills them, but if it gets into ink and it's injected into the skin, these horrible what's called atypical mycobacterial infections can result and um, we've seen them before and they're really confusing because they can look like the allergic granuloma reactions in the skin we see and you know sometimes we have to do all sorts of workups to to figure out what's going on with these patients. So
3: the message is if you see anything on your skin blisters, bumps, bumps, uh, if it's itchy or painful or red, see a doctor as soon as you can. Because the other concern we always have, if an infection is, fe- especially if it goes into your bloodstream, it can lead to uh, infection in your heart valves, which is endocarditis, uh, sepsis, which means it's through your whole bloodstream and can say goodbye to your organs and you can die. So I, you know, we're not trying to be extreme, but say, be smart. And if you have any of these skin changes, see a doctor as quickly as you can, because um, as we keep saying, it's not a regulated process. And even the, the ink, um, an artist can be really careful and buy bottles of ink marked as sterile, but they can be contaminated. You were mentioning that there was a study or one, one ink was cultured. It grew out 26 different species of bugs. Not good.
4: Not at all. And the amazing thing, and so the FDA partnered with this toxicology regulatory group to perform. So they studied various tattoo inks, the permanent makeup tattoo inks, and the tattoo inks that are used in, in artistry tattoos. And these were unopened bottles, bottles from the factory that were sealed and unopened. And they sent them to a lab and they, and they tested the inks, and, in like, they cultured them, like you would culture somebody's skin or nose or throat to look for bacteria. And, like, a third of the inks, over a third of the inks, actually grew out, like, multiple different species of bacteria. These are inks sealed in a bottle from the factory. Um, so we know, you know, that, that, you know, there's factories out there that are sending out inks that... Have bacteria in them that are being injected into the skin. Now you would think, well, gosh, everybody should be getting infected, but um, you know, healthy people, their body can sort of, you know, ward that off. The problem is mm-hmm. if they get a high enough load, or somebody's not as healthy, they'll end up with an infection. So you can imagine if they're coming contaminated. From the factory in sealed bottles, what happens to the bottles once they've been opened in a tattoo parlor, you know, a couple times and, you know, they're not not operating in a a sterile like pharmacy. So, you know, these things get contaminated and that gets into the skin. Well, plus all the different
3: ingredients in the ink there. uh, I was reading on a summary, animal based ingredients, calligraphy ink, little metal salts. I guess that's what makes it stick better once it's localized. Um, I was reading pigments from printer toner and car paint. So, we, all those things have to be considered, and they vary because, as we said, it's not regulated by the FDA. Stay with us during the break to hear a beautiful story about your real champion for this week. And now for your real champion. I call this segment Step Up with Tony Melendez. Tony Melendez is a singer, songwriter, and guitarist. As a child, he loved to sing and dance as his father played the guitar, especially when he heard La Bamba. So it was no surprise that when Tony got to high school, he joined the school choir and the church choir, and he also learned to play the guitar by age 16, which in his case is extraordinary. Why? Well, originally from Nicaragua, Tony was born with a club foot and no arms. While his mother was pregnant, she was given a drug called thalidomide to treat her morning sickness, which can cause disabilities. Unable to walk because of his club foot, his family drove 5,000 miles from Nicaragua to Los Angeles so he could have corrective surgery through the March of Dimes. With time, he knew he was different, but his entire family treated him as if he were normal. So he learned to do everything with his feet. He could write, play with his toys, even hold a knife in his toes and cut a tomato. Tony says, they made me feel like, Tony, you're normal. His brother and sister say, he has always been self-sufficient. He's even learned to drive because his car has a steering wheel on the floor. When he graduated from high school, it was hard to find a job. He asked himself, what would a guy with no arms do? So one day he played his guitar on a sidewalk and passers-by were fascinated by his talent. They began tossing tips into his guitar case. He only did it a few times, but he was instilled with the confidence that he could support himself through the music. He also learned something else out there. He felt like his music was starting to do something. People were starting to listen. He sang all kinds of songs, from church and things he heard on the radio, He became more involved in church activities, playing guitar and composing music, then directing and singing in music groups. He was in such demand that on some Sundays he might sing at five masses. Then in 1987, Pope John Paul II, who's now a saint, came to America and made a stop in Los Angeles. Tonley was 25 years old and he was invited by the youth of L.A. to sing. A young man presented Tony to the Pope as a gift, which represented the courage of self-motivation and family support. He described Tony as a performer who believes that, quote, when I sing, I hear the Lord. This was the moment when Tony feels his mission began. He sang, never be the same. And he was met with a standing ovation from the thousands of people who attended. Visibly moved, the Pope repeated, Tony, Tony, then jumped from the stage and and embraced Tony and gave him a kiss. The Pope said, Tony, you are truly a courageous young man. You are giving hope to all of us. And my wish for you is to continue giving this hope to all people. This international broadcast launched Tony's career and changed his life forever. Now, more than 35 years later, Tony continues to inspire people around the world having performed in all 50 states and more than 45 countries. He travels with his brother, Jose, and together they share their message of hope, encouragement, and faith. Tony's message is presented with music and his personal life stories. He hopes that between his music and the listener's ear, that God intervenes, because Tony's committed to help bring people's hearts toward Jesus Christ. Knowing how important life is, He strongly believes in justice and living with dignity. Tony and Jose focus on young people by visiting elementary, junior high, and high schools, colleges, and universities. Through concerts, conferences, retreats, and school presentations, they emphasize the importance of self-esteem and that any kind of substance abuse is dangerous. They discuss how they deal with issues such as disability awareness, cultural awareness, and family support. They also address the topic of bullying and share their own stories of overcoming it with changes in attitude and discipline. Tony has recorded six albums and written his autobiography called A Gift of Hope, published by Harper and Row. He's appeared on countless TV shows, including The Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, Late Night Show with Arsenio Hall. He's performed the National Anthem at the World Series in 1989. He's also performed on four additional occasions for Pope St. John Paul II at the Vatican in Poland and at World Youth Day in 1993. Tony's the recipient of numerous awards and honors, including special commendations from President Reagan, the state of California, the city of Los Angeles, countless other civic and charitable organizations, as well as the first annual Inspirational Hero Award from the NFL Alumni Association at Super Bowl 23 in Miami. Tony moved from California and now resides in Branson, Missouri with his beautiful wife, Lynn, and two children, Marisa and Andres. Despite all the attention in these 35 years, Tony continues to resist the siren song of stardom, hoping only to develop his musical career and share his God-given gifts. Quote, I don't feel like a celebrity, he says with a smile, I just feel like me. We salute you, Tony Melendez, you're a real champion.
0: Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor It's health education on demand.
1: Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com stay covered.
2: Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross.
0: This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC.
3: Welcome back to Your Radio Doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, and we're joined by our guest, Dr. Bruce Brode. Now, I have to stop and say, I apologize to you, Bruce, because I said broad, because it rhymes with bod, but it's Brode. So. You know, you can travel incognito and change your name, but I, I'm going to leave that decision up to you, Dr. Bruce Brode. Thank you for being so sweet about that. So, Bruce, we're learning so much about tattoos and what people should be aware of. Maybe go to a parlor, watch the technique and, and hand washing, and do they take the equipment out of packaging and all those good things, and ask questions. How do you sterilize your equipment? So let's say a person's had a tattoo for a while and now they want to remove it. I found it interesting when we chatted before that people of color, if they have a, a cut or a damage to their skin, might form a thickened scar called a keloid. And so we were chatting. I said, do tattoos cause keloids on people of color? And I, I guess the answer is not so often when the tattoos applied, but laser therapy can lead to a keloid. So let's talk about laser removal and what it means if somebody wants to have a tattoo removed.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So we've come a long way. And believe it or not, when some people get tattoos, they actually reach a point in their life where they no longer want that tattoo. And there's many reasons that can occur, but the technology has really evolved over time. And Late, you know, in the old days before lasers, we used to use what's called dermabrasion. It's this sounds Mm -hmm. really barbaric. We would use these like sanding wheels, literally, but they were sterile, and just basically grind down the layers of the skin over and over until the tattoo is. Obviously, it left horrific scars, you know, the size of the tattoo. But lasers came into being. Lasers are. A really powerful light source. And the the way we use lasers in the skin is that different lasers will destroy things of different color in the skin. So we have lasers that treat, you know, red blood vessels on the face and patients with rosacea or unwanted brown spots or freckles on the hands or face. Um, but we also have lasers that are... Um, different wavelengths of light that treat the different color inks in the skin so there's lasers for blue black ink there's lasers for red ink yellow ink green ink and the way they work is they they push energy this laser light into the skin so fast and like in short pulses that when the laser light the energy is absorbed by the color in the ink tattoo and comes in like fast and furiously it basically explodes the cell where the ink is sitting. The ink kind of sits in like immune cells in the skin and it basically like just blows it up and that ink disperses and the body knows how to kind of clear that away. Um, Tattoos are more reliable for dark inks like blue, black ink. um, And they're a little less reliable on, um, red, green, blues, and you never know how anyone tattoo is gonna respond because we talked earlier that the the tattoos inks have different compositions and and so it's not really predictable but um it's evolved much better it's 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 riskier in patients if you think about it who have darker skin it's harder to remove their tattoos because the pigment in their skin is dark and that also absorbs that laser light and so the laser and darker skin causes more damage oh. to the intrinsic skin. And that's why some oh. of those folks are at risk for getting scars or the laser can remove the tattoo, but their skin will never come back to its normal color. Somebody oh. who has really, really light, fair skin is, you know, a better candidate for um, fewer complications, but it takes many treatments, high cost, you know, it's expensive to remove laser and it can hurt. Um, you know, we have That's too. what I was going
3: to ask. If it hurts? Yeah, it mm-hmm. hurts.
4: I mean, I usually anesthetize the skin when I when I do laser tattoo for my patients. Either with the topical anesthetics work really well. Some patients um, are a little more less less pain tolerant. We can use actually local anesthetics like like when you're removing a mole, numb the skin. But large areas, it's harder to do that. So we can do things to mitigate the pain. But it hurts, can take a number of treatments, there's some risks, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's expensive. Insurance doesn't cover things like that.
3: Well, and we think about some of the reasons why somebody might want to remove a tattoo. Maybe uh, it was a love interest and they're, they're no longer dating or whatever. Or, or you mentioned that if somebody is in a gang and they're pressured to get uh, a tattoo and life goes by and they leave that part of their lives and they want to erase it, it's it's uh not easy to get rid of that tattoo and the other uh point that you made um because i think it would be helpful for people to hear about policy um the food and drug administration regulates medications etc but ink products even though as you say it's kind of a surgical procedure because we're breaching the skin and we're injecting with needles and such but it's considered cosmetic and that's why The Food and Drug Administration don't oversee the ink contents or the processes, et cetera. So, is that a fair way to say it?
4: It is. It is a fair way to say it. I mean, because the tattoo inks are viewed as cosmetics, the FDA sort of has some oversight in terms of their ability to receive. They have. They have a database where they can receive adverse event reporting. And then they do have some ability to issue recalls. This is why it's so important to go to a good tattoo artist that sort of records all the inks and the lot numbers. But they really like the FDA doesn't have regulators. You know, they're just not empowered to go into the tattoo manufacturing plants and regulate that. They actually have, because of that study that we talked about earlier, where these unopened bottles had bacteria, the FDA issued what's called draft guidelines. So this is not the letter of the law, and it's still in draft form, but the guidelines at least are out there to help manufacturers who make these tattoos Set themselves up for a safer environment, you know, protecting the vats and the factories from being contaminated and having good sterile procedure and practices. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. a good thing. It's, you know, that's where at least we see government trying to create, do something to create a safer environment, but it's not a heavy handed thing. Yeah. They're just guidelines.
3: You know, you just, you, I'm, I'm hopefully. As more as as tattoos become more popular, it will be um, an issue that's raised because um, even if we do have some guidelines or even laws, who's going to um, make sure they're who's going to oversee them? Who's going to make sure that uh, somebody under eighteen uh, doesn't have a tattoo? Or or how about just like a bartender should stop serving someone if they see they. They, they're intoxicated. You're not supposed to uh, apply a tattoo. if Somebody's under the influence of alcohol or drugs, but how many times do you hear people jokingly say, yeah, well, I was really drunk and I went and did it. Exactly. Know, who's enforcing yeah. this? Yeah. nobody. no, yeah.
4: no mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's, it's a very much of a patchwork out there. Um, there's no federal law about tattoos at all. And the laws vary by States, Pennsylvania, where we are is, um, a state where uh, tattooing is um, forbidden under 18 unless there's parental consent, but it, it's it's hard to enforce that. I mean, I, I, and then, you know, the parlors themselves. So there's different layers of regulation. There's the inks there's the tattoo artists and there's the tattoo parlors. And and so depending on where you are, Philadelphia is actually pretty good. They have, you know, that's one of the jurisdictions in Pennsylvania where they're actually, it's not terrific, but there has to be some uh, inspection of the tattoo parlors. They have to be registered. They have, so, you know, at least we know where they exist. There has to be some basic training for the tattoo artist on bloodborne pathogens and you know they are you know potentially could be inspected i'm not sure how how often that happens so you know that's good but there's there's some jurisdictions where there really is 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 no local law a lot of these things are regulated by departments of health um you know in in various areas they kind of oversee the tattoo parlors and require um training and registration um for the parlors and the artists Mm
3: -hmm. so if a person considers getting a tattoo how can a person maximize his or her safety
4: yeah i think one you know it's it's good to you know reliable word of mouth is always good but um, you want to go to a place that's registered, that's regulated. You want to make sure that the environment is clean. You want to make sure they wear gloves. You want to make sure they use disposable equipment. I think it's reasonable to ask about the training they've had in spread of disease processes. Um, and, you know, things like masks and gloves are important because, you know, the artist, it's they're breaking the skin if they have a cold sore. Um, you know, that could get on the skin. If they have an infection on their hand, that can get on the skin. And you want to find out what they use to prep the skin before the procedure. You want to know what their post-care is as well. We've actually seen some complications with, pay, with people um, being allergic to like weird things that are, you know, recommended to be used on the tattoo, healing ointments that have all sorts of allergenic chemicals in it. So I think it's really wise to inquire about, the the establishment and their processes start to finish and then you know try to get word of mouth um, make sure there's not been any sanctions on the tattoo parlor um and you know once you feel like you've done some due diligence and you're ready you know let her rip it doesn't guarantee um no complications it just mitigates Mm -hmm. mitigates your risk Mm -hmm.
3: so um if somebody has a tattoo and they say Hey Dr. Brood, I'm going to get another tattoo. What would you tell them in terms of care? What uh, obviously soap and water and we said earlier don't want to pick the scabs. You want to make sure your clothing doesn't stick. Any other common sense things that a person might not think of that with their first tattoo?
4: Yeah, I mean, the other thing too is you know, choice of tattoo. So one of the issues that comes up um, in my patients, because I see a lot of people who have, you know, lots of moles and skin cancer, that's why they mm. a dermatologist. Is I try to remind them not to potentially get a tattoo that's going to camouflage their skin in such a way that now I can't detect whether they're developing early skin cancer. And I've had yeah. patients, um, and you know, it's a little bit controversial. Does tattoo cause skin cancer? I don't think so, but People have lot, you know. Tattoos are common, and skin cancer is common, and I've seen both come together. And it's not, kind of sad when we have to kind of cut out an atypical mole or skin cancer where somebody has a tattoo. I mean, good, great to get rid of the cancer, but you know, their tattoo is, you know, obviously forever altered. And you just don't want to miss skin cancer because of a misplacement of a tattoo. The other thing too, that's a little funny is you know some of the tattoos have metals in them and some of the permanent yeah. makeups um uh like eyeliner and and people can can get can get reactions eyebrows in when they like so if it has metal and people need an MRI that's an imaging, That was my question. Yeah, mm-hmm. Imaging procedure that's done to detect cancer or other serious things that MRI kind of activates the metal in that tattoo and it can be painful. And like, if you think about it, like, wow, nobody wants to feel pain in an eye lid tattoo. That's a really sensitive area or an eyebrow tattoo or, you know, other areas. Not all tattoos will do this, um, but the ones that have certain kind of magnetic metallic particles typically darker tattoos can, can do that as well. So I'd like to raise that awareness for people.
3: Yes. Yes. I'm glad you remembered to bring that up because women are getting their eyebrows tattooed or they get the permanent under eyeliner. That skin is so sensitive and you don't want, um, we're going to continue this after the break, but that has to be considered too, especially when people think, Oh, it's just cosmetic and it's not, you know, a big tattoo on my arm or leg. Stay with us, and we'll be back after the break.
0: Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne
2: Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com.
3: Welcome back to our final segment of Your Radio Doctor, which we call Your Weekly Prescription. It gives us a chance to invite our guests to give a take-home message to our listeners. Bruce, what are your words of wisdom as we finish the show?
4: I, I think that it's really all about safety um, and just keeping your eyes open, safety and transparency. So the decision one makes to get a tattoo it's a, it's a very personal decision um, and uh, I think I, w- I, I would just ask the the listeners out there who are contemplating it just to keep in mind that um, it, it's 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 a decision they're going to live with for a long period of time so so make sure it's something that's important to you um, but do your due diligence make sure that you have the tattoo done in a place that's that's regulated that that follows proper procedure ask the right questions and and there's some guidance uh, on some of the things to look for when considering getting a new tattoo one of the a good resource is um, on the American Academy of Dermatology that's sort of the 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 national most dermatologists in the United States are members of the American Academy of Dermatology, and they have some great resources to help um, guide you when you're considering a tattoo or even after you get a tattoo. Um, uh, I think it's important if when you do get a tattoo to care for it properly um, when the tattoo is over. Keep the skin clean and dry. Don't put lots of complicated, you know, all natural products that can cause reactions like like basic petrolatum-based products like Vaseline are good. I think another important thing that we didn't get to talk about is... It's important to protect the tattoo from the sun. I'm biased. I'm a dermatologist. I'm like a broken record. I tell people all day, sun causes skin cancer and aging. It also fades tattoos. So it's another Interesting. consideration. Put it in a place where you're not going to get a lot of sun. And that goes for uh, indoor tanning as well. Spray tans, of course, are fine. And, you know, I, I hope everybody out there who gets a tattoo has like a great experience and they don't run into complications they don't have an infection they don't have an allergic reaction but um sadly these things happen even under the best of circumstances and if you have a reaction get to a medical professional see dermatologists this is part of our training, so if somebody has a reaction, they're concerned about an infection, see a board-certified dermatologist. They, they, they know at least how to begin the process of finding out what's wrong. Is it an allergy? Is it an infection? And can put together a plan to treat it um, as well. You know, remember not to get tattoos in areas where you have to have surveillance for moles that can turn into skin cancer as well. Um, And, you know, if the day comes when you think, you know, um, I want to try to eliminate this tattoo, and there's so many reasons for that, you want to go to somebody who's really skilled and trained in doing laser tattoo removal because there's some complications with that as well. And you want to deal with somebody who's going to give you the, the straight scoop and give you realistic expectations as well.
3: So somebody's experience with laser removal of tattoos, because as you say, that could be quite complicated, different laser um, lengths of light, depending on the color of the ink. So uh, Dr. Bruce Uh, Brode, you are a member, uh, you are a board member of the American Association of Dermatology. So if people want to take advantage of those resources that I'm sure list concerns or uh, questions you should ask before you have a tattoo, care of your skin after a tattoo, they could visit the website of the AAD, American Academy of Dermatology. I said associations, the American Academy of Dermatology. Yes. yes. And if people wanted to be yes. seen at Penn Dermatology, 215 316 5151. Yes.
4: yes. yes.
3: And, mm-hmm. and, and Penn Dermatology is the think tank of dermatology. Oh, what a treat to have you on the show. And last week, your chair, Chairman, Dr. George Katsarellis. I mean, The history of dermatology at Penn uh, is just unmatchable. And aren't we so fortunate to have you in the city? Penn Dermatology, of course, at 34th and Spruce or uh, at at Hospital University of Pennsylvania, but you also have offices at Penn at Radnor. And where else might people be able to schedule if they call 215-316-5151?
4: Yeah, we have... have Two offices, well, three offices in Philadelphia, one at the Perlman Center, 34th and and Spruce, Civic Center Boulevard. We have an office at Pennsylvania Hospital, an office All right. at the Presbyterian Medical Center. Um, I'm speaking to you today from our Radnor office. We have an office in Bucks County. Uh, Yardley area, and we even cross the river over into New Jersey. There's we have dermatologists in Cherry Hill, and dermatologists um, uh, in uh, some other parts of South Jersey as well. So the mothership is 34th Street, but uh, um, we're we're spread out, and you know, trying trying to get access to patients um, with skin disease and make make folks uh, healthier when it comes to their skin. That's what we're about. Well, I
3: can't thank you enough, Bruce, because we've learned so much really valuable practical information. If you have issues after a tattoo, please see a dermatologist. And know that the AAD, the American Academy of Dermatology, a great resource, just type that in online and type in tattoos, search tattoos for what to look for before, and how to take care of it after. Thank you so much, Bruce. It was a pleasure to have you today.
4: Great to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
3: Thanks for listening to your radio doctor every Saturday at five o'clock here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Listen to any of our shows again on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. Thanks to our exclusive sponsor, Independence Blue Cross, and for support from Recovery Centers of America. If you'd like to partner in the show or advertise, send an email to info at yourradiodoctor.net. If you'd like us to discuss a topic or if you want to tell us about a real champion in your family or community, shoot an email to info at yourradiodoctor.net. And remember, follow us and please like us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Next week, get your little rackets ready. Our topic is pickleball. Orthopedic surgeon Dr. Nick DiNubli will talk to us about the positives of being active and having fun with new friends, but he'll also help us decrease risk of injury with some really great tips. This is your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love, and always here to remind you that your health is your wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio
4: Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded.